everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. I'm Carrie Ann. If it's your first time listening, welcome. If you've always tuned in, welcome back. I hope you are enjoying what's left of the summer. I'm excited about the interviews that are coming up, including this one with Jay Ward. Jay has a very interesting professional experience. He has a great immigrant story, and now he's an entrepreneur. And so I don't want to give away too much of the interview. So enough long talking. Here's my interview with Jay Ward. Hello, Jay. Welcome to Carry On Friends. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. Uh, it's amazing to be here with you, and thanks for having me. Awesome. So why don't you tell the community of Friends a little bit about who you are, Caribbean country you represent, and the work that you do. So who I am? My name is Jermaine Ward. I go by Jay Ward, and I was born in Guyana. I'm also a citizen of St. Lucia, and I'm an American. What I do, I'm a businessman. I've been that all my life. And which country I represent? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I would say both St. Lucia and Guyana, but most people, they hear the Guyanese accent. So either of those. All right. So talk to me a little bit about this dual citizenship with Guyana and St. Lucia. Through the years of doing the podcast, we've had a lot of guests who've had these multi- National Caribbean connection. So tell me a little bit about how you then became a citizen of St. Lucia. Definitely, definitely. So Guyana on the whole, it's in a unique position. Why I say that? Because over the decades or centuries, there's many Caribbean nationals, parents or foreparents, went to Guyana in better days, in greener days. And they made kids. So a lot of kids have a lot of dual citizens with Guyanese. So, for example, here in St. Lucia, I met a lot of people who their parents are St. Lucian, but they have Guyanese citizenship and no St. Lucian citizenship. My story is a little bit different. I'm married to a beautiful St. Lucian of 13 years, and she was born in St. Lucia. So me becoming a St. Lucian was, it was an easy decision. It's a beautiful island. I've come here for the last 10 years. I love the place for the social aspect and the economy and the business of it. It's um, very powerful. So me becoming a citizen, providing a lot of opportunities. All right. So again, th this, was um, this was not my intention, but this is, again, fascinating. So, so tell me your immigration story or journey, right? So you became a St. Lucian because of love. Let's just put it that way, right? <laughs> your wife, you're in love. And so tell me the immigration story from Guyana. You said you're also American citizen. So tell us a little bit about that immigration story, because we all have different immigration stories, similar, but in many ways, there are little things that make it unique. So what is your immigration story? Definitely. So just to give you some context before I tell you the story. So I'm 6'5", 250 pounds of muscles. In my country, since a young boy, 16 years old, I'm a high-performance um, athlete, and I gravitated to basketball. So at a young age, I have an overly inflated ego about my uh, basketball abilities. 
So I think highly of myself. And I was raised in what they call the ghetto. I don't like the term, but they call it a ghetto. So very good at sports, national team, Dunkout star, champion, and so forth. Lots of girls, lots of publicity, overinflated eagle. And on the other hand, I was also fortunate to attend the best primary schools, um, Stella Maris Primary School in Guyana, the best high school, St. Joseph and St. Rose's. And I did A-levels and I studied CAT and ACCA. So that is a young man, no experience, but high performance and good at sports and academics and was in a community with little to no opportunities. I then migrated 15 years ago and immediately, it was November 2005, I remember it clearly. I was, um, in my mind, I expected the snow to be a good thing, playing with snow, but um, immediately after hitting and feeling the snow, it was a cultural shock from then on. Had to learn how to dress, um, how to figure out the train system. I got to work two months after. So immigrating was the best thing I did in my life, clearly, but I was a little bit naive and idealistic. And when the cultural shock hit with something as simple as the clothing you wear or navigating the corporate world or hanging out with your friends who are in the ghetto of uh, New York and New Jersey and so forth, it was lots of growing to do, lots of growing to do. Boy, again, that's a similarity. I came here much younger, but coming into New York and the New York tri-state area is a culture shock. On one hand, we have the benefit of being surrounded by a strong Caribbean culture, but it's still a culture shock, especially when you're coming in and it is cold. It's, it is a boy, an experience, right? So, you know, on TV, you think, oh, the snow is pretty, but the weather, you know, it's tough. All right. So great. So you came up, you are navigating this new world and what happens next? You, you get a job, you decide you met your wife and you sail back off to St. Lucia. What happened then? And also you, you also, you're a businessman. So I need you to kind of start telling us the business that you're involved in. And just, you know, I think this is a fascinating story already. So yeah, let's hear the rest of the story. So let me tell you what I'm doing today. So today I'm physically in St. Lucia and me and my business partners from Florida and New York, we're working on putting together a 50 million US dollar deal in St. Lucia. And I am heading up that project. And what I'm experiencing in St. Lucia is I am hitting up to the top 1% of performers in St. Lucia, the big, the big guys. And I didn't expect this. This was a cultural shock to me as well. So now let me reverse and answer your question. What happened next after I immigrated? So remember that overinflated basketball superstar guy? He went to corporate world and I did not understand the limitations that other people saw. I did not see those limitations because... I was new to America one, and I was so cocky and so confident. 
I taught, I supposed to walk up to people and talk to them because I'm not afraid of people. So when I was doing that, the first 60 days, I started working at Panasonic in Secaucus. It was as an accountant. I was reporting to the controller then and interacting with people. I was courageous enough to approach people trying to advance myself or trying to understand the business we're in and how it worked. And after six months of, of doing this, a recruiter asked me to go to another company called Telebrands. That is the company that created the As Seen on TV category because they were now to bankruptcy. And he wanted me to go and work there. So I jumped to the opportunity and it was very hands-on. Unlike Panasonic, I got to engage multiple departments and I got to grow and um, explore my talents and my skills at Telebrands. Because in my mind, since back in Guyana at 13 years old, I was a businessman. I knew that um, when there's a problem, you got to find a solution. And I always had problems growing up without money and my mom and my grandmother. So I was a businessman since then at 13 years old and was, in my mind, training with sports to working on my discipline, my focus, and learning the theory of business and economics and so forth in Guyana. So when I came to America, I knew immediately I wanted to get a job, which I did within 60 days. And um, at Panasonic, I was pushing everywhere I can to learn or grow, to get all the, the experience, to go with the theory of, of the world that I learned in books. And then I went to uh, Telebrands, where I spent the next 10 years, and we grew the company from $80 million to $600 million. And um, it was doing great when I left, and I grew tremendously experience and so forth at Telebrands. So that's what I did. All right. So this is fascinating. So you've navigated your way through corporate and you land at Telebrands as seen on TV. We've all seen those commercials and you were part of this growth. Talk to me a little bit like what did you get from working at Telebrands that you're using now to leverage to broker this big deal in St. Lucia right now? So talk to me about your experience at Telebrands. So what did I learn? I learned that it's really a corporate jungle. I learned that in the corporate world of America, in the capitalistic society that they have, is not for the faint of heart. It's not for weak-minded people. I learned you have to get, you have to have a amazing grit or hospa to advance your career or get more money, you have to be on point. So what do I mean? I mean that when I got there, I would say culturally, Caribbean people are very nice people. I would say we're nice. We, we say good morning. We say hi. I would say that we, we try to be genuine friends and sincere friends to each other. So when I went into the corporate world of Telebrands, I was being friendly with people and open and transparent. And I was being a little bit naive and not being selective with who I form relationships with or who I share what with. And then I started to figure out, oh, people are 
stealing your ideas and running to the boss or stealing your ideas and implementing it and so forth or using the knowledge or the information you share with them to maneuver and so forth. And that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly okay. I'm just trying to make a point that when I started at Telebrands and six months in the country, I was like a nice Guyanese person just trying to get along. So I quickly adjusted to the culture. And I know that, um, in my opinion, in my view, in the corporate worlds of America, the end justify the means. You have to keep things 100% legal, of course. But um, people renegotiate contracts. People sue. People sue their friends. They use lawsuits as a business tool. They steal other products and get um, the best copyright lawyers to defend them. And, and if you, you need big wallets to control companies as big as Telebrand, $600 million, you need a war chest for lawyers or accountants or what have you. So one of the things I learned and what's most important that I hold on to, to today that I use here, even in St. Lucia now, is business is exactly like war without guns. We're going after our dreams, whether it's be our life purpose or what, what have you, and that's a big deal. That's a big deal. It's serious business. Or we're feeding our kids or feeding our wives and medicine and so forth. And if you're competing with other businesses or your colleagues for advancement and so forth, you got to keep in mind, this is what I learned, that although people would smile with you or maybe your partner or what have you, you have to always be thinking shrewd and you always have to um, have the mindset that you're competing like it's war with all the guns. So I learned that. I bring that to today in St. Lucia, doing the deals I'm working on. Regarding the skills I picked up, well, I picked up lots of skills. I picked up um, to manage my time well. I didn't have the experience of that prior in Guyana, but I'd come in the corporate world and me working on raising financing on Wall Street or um, having lunches with successful people. Their time is very valuable. I learned that then and I bring that to today. I learned you have to have the details sorted out. You have to critically think things through. I, I was asking people this six months ago. Hey, if COVID lasts one year, if there's a second wave, third wave, fourth wave, fifth wave, if it lasts three years, and the people I'm doing business with, some of them in the Caribbean, I think they could think things through critically. And if they don't have the answers, they would need someone to get the answers, but they cannot not think things through. So those are the skills I learned and what I bring with me to today. And one more thing, one more thing. So I was cocky in sports. So I believe in myself in, in, in sports. And in some cases, I had an overinflated ego. But after working at a company and I'm in the trenches, raising finances, involving lawsuits with them, um, depositions, copyright fights, bonuses, you know, you name it. I, I tried myself for a long time at the highest levels of corporate America. And for the most part, I won. And um, so the third thing that I... I, I got from and learned and I bring with me is I got a lot of belief in myself. Thank you for that. I mean, the way you've described business 
it's definitely not what we hear on social media, right? You're like, what? You know, preparing for war without guns, right? It's definitely not what's painted on social media, right? But we value this real talk, right, about business because it's it's a lot of work. And if you want to be successful, so after you've left Telebrands, what was the next thing that you got into? Did you go straight to St. Lucia? So what was the path after Telebrands? Great question. So whilst I was working at Telebrands, I knew that there's much more I can do for myself and my family. So after that, um, me and my wife, we left the safety of our great insurance that was paid for. We left the safety of our guaranteed check twice a month. And we left our house in Orange, New Jersey. And we got the cars and we drove to Florida, to South Florida. And we, um, we set up shop there. Uh, we were living there, put the kids in school. And I was starting to do business for myself. At that time, I was doing um, different consulting. So to answer your question, I left Telebrands and New Jersey and went to Florida to live my dreams with my wife and kids. And, and it's going great, I must say. So what exactly? So you did consulting. Are you able to specify the type of consulting or work? I know you got into transportation, but is that the source or the core of what you're doing now, particularly in St. Lucia? Great question. So when I'm telling you that I did not choose to be a businessman, I I was born like this. I was born like this. So what I mean is my grandmother told me stories about the struggles at Christmas and the the different hats she had to get chicken or food. And I experience when we don't have my mother, my grandmother, my aunts, they're figuring stuff out. So in my mind, since I'm young, I am raising chicks at 13 years old or 16 year old in barbecue to make money. So I would literally, I can look at anything and see business in it. So my skills, I'm an accountant. I study economics and I'm a finance guy that worked in lots of businesses besides Telebrands and Panasonic. So I can just build businesses. So when I moved to Florida, to answer your question, when I moved to Florida, I did consulting with accounting, my accounting skills. I did that. But I know my ultimate goal was to open a business of my own. I did not know which industry. I did not know when, but I knew that the goal was to be on my own. I consulted, which helped me get money. I also did security. I worked Uber. And again, all of this, when I transitioned to Florida, because I was doing those different jobs on the side to figure out what business I ultimately want to go into. So the business we went into was trucking. So we went into automobile transportation. And what that is, is if individuals want to transport the cars or snowbirds from the tri-state to Florida or the tri-state to California or from Canada to the States, they call someone like me and we get a truck to their homes. The truck would put it, put a car on the truck and they would transport it to the delivery location. So that's what we do. I've been doing it for four years and it's going very successful. In terms of St. Lucia, so I do many businesses. So the one, the public facing one is Onassis, but me and my wife, we also own properties, real estate properties in Florida, in New Jersey, and in St. Lucia. And I have friends in different industry that at times we would come together and work 
together when it makes sense. If they need assistance raising funds or they need some consulting for inventory matter or somebody to travel, if it's something I'm interested in, I would normally do that. It just so happened that while the pandemic is once unfolding, our company took a hit. Now it's doing better, but it's still down from where we're supposed to be. I had friends in the senior healthcare, senior living, assisted living, and they wanted someone to partner with, and they wanted the right island where they can start a, a senior care village. So it's a like several resorts and land and infrastructure where older people from America, with their insurance or or not, can come and live. So right now I'm in Saint Lucia on on business, putting together a a real estate healthcare deal worth fifty million. And I hope to answer your question. You did, you did. It's very fascinating, and I, and there's a lot of lessons following a theme of like previous guests. I had Dallin who talked about entrepreneurship and you kind of talked about that, that you, through your corporate experiences, you learned how to navigate, make deals, leverage relationships to do the different things that you're doing. And I think what was key, you didn't settle on a particular industry because with an accounting and finance background, you're relevant in every industry. Let's be honest. Every industry needs a finance guy, right? So you looked at what was interesting to you and you you kind of decided to focus on that. But you also understood that bills have to be paid. So if you have to Uber, be an Uber driver, be security, that too. So I really valued you know, that story and not glamorizing it because again, this is not what we see on Instagram. So you're doing well, you're brokering this deal. What do you want people to know? What is it about entrepreneurship, about the Caribbean, about finance, about economic? What is it you want the Carry On Friends audience and people to know that we're not paying attention to? As this successful business, you've worked at multi-million dollar companies, you're at the helm of a multi-million dollar deal. What do you want the audience to know that we should be paying attention to? To be honest, as a businessman, St. Lucia, let me talk to people St. Lucia. St. Lucia is a remarkable, remarkable, remarkable island. And it's not dissimilar from Trinidad, where I've been, Belize and so forth. It's not. As a black man that grew up around people like this, when I'm in this place, I'm seeing the locals or the natives, they want to go out. They want to go to Canada. They want to go to America. They want to go to these places. And I'm seeing Canadians want to come in. Americans want to come in. People from the UK want to come in. So it's an amazing a dichotomy to see the locals, they want to go out. And the people who are in these big fancy countries and educated people and wealthy people want to come in. So I think what I would want to tell people is that um, the Caribbean is our own. And the days we're living in now, it's very, very unique. And we need to make the best of our land, our culture. The people don't have to physically come here, but I'm just saying that the pictures that people paint or painted in the past 
about our culture somehow being sub or our styles being sub or there's no opportunities here or there's or we lack something like skill we lack the right people or right like those things are not if it was it's no longer correct let me give an example so what i want people to see is our lens is comparable to dubai london manhattan any place in the world and our people are equally talented and competent to anybody in the world that's what i would want them to the audience to to take away but we got to we got to we got to um i guess highlight that more and people like yourself with the show you're doing i believe is doing that and i commend you on that and i would really like us to continue to explore and continue to grow in these areas you brought up something again from a previous episode that i did where we talk about the american dream and this idea of going home especially after the last election right where do we go and so based on what i heard you say is that we can reconsider going home so like you it may not be going back to guyana maybe it's going back to another caribbean country because we're all kind of connected regionally and because everyone else not of our culture is come is is wanting to go to the caribbean right and give their talents to the caribbean so let me ask you why do you think that the locals or people not just st lucia but people still want to come to the north america canada and the us or the uk why do you think people still want to come here whereas you you've done this and you're like i think y'all should stay here so what are <laughs> you're you're laughing but it's true you're like mm, i don't know about this so what is it you think people see is in the US that you're seeing is right there in St. Lucia and should stay and capitalize on what's in St. Lucia. Mm. You see how I view it is most people in a social in, in a certain social economic area they don't know what they have. They will be walking on gold and don't know it's gold. So what I'm saying is I've met young adults 20 plus year old kids that are brilliant they don't have the experience they don't have the industries to work on and they don't have the seniors in their community saying you're skillful at this you're skillful at that you're skillful at that so they don't know their own skill set right and they don't have an opportunity to put it to put it to the test right to go to canada why would why would st lucia st lucians send people farmers to go farm in canada when st lucia have a deficit of people and proper farming cuz the people don't know but they know that canada have university what they see on tv and the branding for the developed nations and now the social media they hold it as gospel they don't know that that's the surface level stuff they don't know that and the reason why the people are leaving stuff here there's so much opportunities in St. Lucia right now I would argue more opportunities in St. Lucia than in America okay but guess what I would not be able to 
take advantage of these opportunities. If I did not have the experience that I gained from America to look at things like how we look at things, and I also have the resources and the know-how to get lawyers or bank loans and so forth. But um, like you said, I believe that um, in the name of Bob Marley, Marcus Garvey, and every single Caribbean influencer for the last 400, 500 years, I believe this generation, with the technology we have, I'm in St. Lucia, you're in America, and we're having a conversation, a seamless conversation, a beautiful conversation, okay? We, me and my friends were on WhatsApp, four of us, four different countries. The amount of industry we can build, the amount of skills we can transfer to each other. When we look back 20 years from now, we're going to beat ourselves. I'm not going to call names, but the amount of non-Caribbean, non-Black monies buying over these islands, Middle East and China, what have you, Middle East, Middle East and China, all our universities, all our this, all that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that me and you and people in your audience are equally competent. And some of us, again, some of us, not all of us, some of us, we are thinking America and the developed nations have all the answers. Give me, give me one practical example. One practical example. Most people in America, most current people in America, if they have a bank account or 401k or so forth, let's look at bank account, they're probably getting less than 1% interest rate. In most Caribbean islands, you can be paid at least three times that. Off the bat, in my mind, not only you can get more interest rates selfishly, but it also develops your country. There is no reason, no practical reason I see why we don't do stuff like that. That's just um, my take on it. You know, Jay, I don't know if I have enough time to kind of dissect all that you say. You know, I, I'm telling you, there's there's a lot that you said, and I've been intentionally quiet because the scenario you presented is twofold because we've had the privilege to be here and can see with Americanized eyes through moving through the corporate jungle, right? That, oh, yeah, this is opportunity. We see it all the time. You go back home and it's a walking thing. Like you see it, but we have that privilege and luxury to do that. And like you said, people who live there may not be able to see that because then we have to get into the nuance of class and different things happening right there in the country. So there are all these nuances. And I think I don't have the answer, but I think I want to leave the audience for us to think about these things. I've heard from other colleagues about the banking. So you're in St. Lucia, so you're in the Eastern Caribbean, which has a totally different banking system than people who are in Jamaica. And there's a lot of things that need to be fixed, but you bring up some really good topics, some really good topics that I don't think we're going to answer in this. So I think I want to let it sit but I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer anything, if I said anything that you want to answer to. No, I think that um, we can leave it sitting with the audience. It's um, food for thought. They can marinate on it and they can give you some work, writing you some questions and stuff like that. And um, yeah, works for me.
All right, Jay. Tell the audience where they can find you. Definitely. And again, thanks for having me. I think your show is very tasteful and you are a great um, interviewer. And you make people feel at ease how you are in your personality. And um, people can find me on Instagram. I'm active on Instagram. It's jayward, J-A-Y, Ward with an E, W-A-R-D-E. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. And your feedback is why I created this show. I mean, to meet people like you who are doing things. I always say it's the quiet ones that are stealthy. <laughs> they're the ones to get to know who, you know, they have platforms, but they're not celebrity. But it's always, again, this is what we learned from American business. It's not the loud guy you have to worry about. It's the quiet one in the corner that you'd be like, he the one making all the deals. Am I lying? You're, um, you got to move stealth. You got to move stealth and don't become a target and stay humble. And and I, I, like, I like being at peace, by the way. So this kind of moving, this kind of movements work for me. Jay, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. Thank you for sharing and thank you for giving us some food for thought. And as I love to say at the end of the show, walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com or Find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.